Good morning. How are you? My name is Rob. It's a pleasure to be here with you again today. I'm going to start this morning by introducing my wife. What was your name again? Uh, Sharon. Sharon Holloway. Sharon, you want to wave? Say hi. We've been together for some time now, since 1976. So we're going to have our 38th wedding anniversary this June, next June. So she's gotten to know me pretty well. For those of you who don't know, I work in a school, and I wanted to start by showing you some signs that are up in our kindergarten hall. If you could put those up. Curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. You, you remember that when you were in kindergarten? This, this one I really like. All I really need to know, I learned in kindergarten. Now, that's, that's really true. This year, I'm cleaning the, the kindergarten hall, okay? And I, I actually clean 11 rooms every day, and I watch kindergartners all day long. And one of the things that I do is I clean uh, all their bathrooms. And these little boys and girls come in and out, and they really don't know how to clean yet. They, they don't know how to do much of anything. But at the end of the year, they're going to know just about all of life's skills. It's amazing. And that, that's really a prophetic statement. Because as I was walking down the hall one day, the Holy Spirit revealed to me a wound that I had when I was in kindergarten. It's amazing how that happens. I don't know if that's happened to any of you, but when I was five years old at Oliver Wendell Holmes Elementary School, I was running with my sister, who was in the first grade, across the street, and I tripped on her leg, and she went down, and I stayed up, and she broke her leg. And I remember uh, feeling guilty about that. Well, as a five-year-old, I didn't know what guilt was. But I, I, uh, the Lord brought that back to my mind, uh, and I had wrestled with uh, those thoughts back somewhere of what the message I'm going to talk about in a few minutes about the heart. And the Lord just said, you, you can release that. You don't have to keep that. And that's how... That's how amazing children are. I mean, they, they take on things that we don't take on. See, they take full responsibility for everything that they do. You know, this thing with curiosity, every time they walk by when I'm cleaning a room, they'll stick their head in there and look and see what's going on and, until they're satisfied that it's okay. Now, <laughs> this next one is great. Today became great when you arrived. <laughs> Tomorrow became greater when you left. <laughs> a teacher that was my that was that last part was what I put in there she did, they don't they don't have that last part up on the sign that's the top of the sign says today became great when you arrived that's what children need to know especially children that, that we first you know they need to put that up in a hospital in the neonatal ward don't you think that'd be a good sign to put up today became great when you arrived I like that. I can feel that now. Since I'm adopted, I really need to hear that. Mm, that's good. But the, the sign that really got to me this week was the next one. And how many of y'all are familiar with this nursery rhyme? 
Can we, can we say it together? Is that okay in church? Are we all right with that? All right, let's say it. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I don't know how many of you have ever looked at that nursery rhyme deeply. <laughs> Probably none of you, but it's, it's really deep. It really is. If you, if you look at it, because if you think the poem is about Humpty Dumpty, then you've missed it. Look at it again real close. For the poem is really about the king's horses and the king's men. You see, it's where that Humpty Dumpty went for his help. That's the issue of this poem. It's where he went for his help. That's the issue of the poem. Where did he go for help? King's horses, I just want to see if you're there. The king's horses and the king's men. That's the tragedy of the poem. The best that the land had, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. So you know what that tells us? That tells us that not only was Humpty Dumpty Humpty Dumpty, but all the king's horses and all the king's men were just as Humpty Dumpty as Humpty Dumpty was. You see it? And that's exactly one of the biggest problems today I see in the world. Not only the people who are messed up are messed up, but the people who are supposed to be able to fix up, I've got to read this so I can get it right, people who are supposed to be able to fix up the messed up people in the world are as messed up as the people that are trying to fix up. <laughs> you heard me, didn't, we? didn't you? So what we have in this world is a bunch of humpty-dumpty people living in a humpty-dumpty world. And why is that? The lesson coming out of this nursery rhyme is simple. We all have a little humpty-dumpty in us because we're all broken. All of us are broken. And what's broken is our heart. And that's what needs to be healed. We've all fallen down because it's a heart issue. And what's broken is our hearts. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. So that's where we've got to start. And I want to, I injected this in my notes. The king's horses and the king's men can't come and repair us when we're fallen. We need the king to show up. Now that's good, isn't it? We need the king to show up. He's the only one that can fix us because His name is Jesus. And then when the kingdom of God shows up, when the rule and the presence of God shows up in the human heart, things begin to happen. You know, your pastor's doing a series, I believe, on love, isn't he? What's love got to do with it? Well, I want to piggyback on that idea and talk today about the heart, the heart of man and woman. Because, you see, without knowing about the heart, we're not able to love. So we have to understand about the heart and how we are to love one another. And we're going to t talk about what the Bible says about the heart. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would empower your word this morning, Lord. Teach us about our hearts. And we pray that our hearts would be changed today for the glorious gospel of God. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We thank you that we no longer are under your wrath, Father, but we have been changed, cleansed, 
and forgiven and put right with you through the death of your Son. And we celebrate that today, Lord. Would you come and change our hearts this morning, Lord? I pray that you would put power on this message, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'd turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, and I have purposely put four translations of this verse up for you so that you can get an idea of what this father is saying to the son. This whole chapter is a father having a conversation with his son. I'm going to read down to verse, if you skip down to verse 23, that'll be our text, that one verse today. The New American Standard Bible, you can follow along the screen if you don't have a Bible or a fake, a fake Bible is what I call them, an app or a smartphone. They say that at Highlands all the time because we've got probably about 6,000 people there that are under the age of 25. And, and I lead a small group of 14 men that are under the age of 25 and none of them bring a Bible to, to the group. It's amazing to me. They bring their smartphones and they look up the Bible verse on the smartphone. So we've got it up here, whatever method you want to use, as long as you get it in you. It doesn't matter. 423 NASB, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The New International Version says, above all else, do what with your heart? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's a scary verse, isn't it? Everything you do flows from your heart. Proverbs 4.23 in the ESV, which is the Bible that I use for my, for my life right now in this, in this particular venture in my life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And the Living Bible, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. So those... Those passages pretty much cover it. Now, there's, there's basically a few phrases I want to pick out there. Look at the first phrase with me. Watch over your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Above all else, guard your affections. Instead of keep your heart, which the ESV says, it says keep your heart. Watch over your heart. Guard your heart. That's the idea of what? Protection. Protecting something and... What are we protecting? Can anyone tell me? Our heart. We're protecting our heart. And does our heart need to be guarded? Now, we guard our physical heart, don't we? I mean, we, we try to eat, eat some right foods every once in a while, except to go to that place called Heavenly Donuts here in town. You know, we, we guard that part of our, our life. We do guard and protect our physical heart, the organ that pumps the blood through our system. We care for it. But this text says we must guard our hearts. We must protect our hearts, watch over our hearts. And it's a military phrase of sorts, saying we must guard our heart. It's, it's like a military policeman being placed out in front of a, a prison 
or a palace and guarding it and not letting any invaders come in at all. And we have invaders that try to, to come into our heart to invade the presence of the king. And that's why God tells us to guard our heart. The king lives in the center of our heart, so people are, are and things and, and all of life tries to get into that heart to distract us from what we're called to do. Now, briefly, what is the heart? What is the heart? What, it, what, what do you think it is? Well, I, I wrote this one phrase. It's what makes you, you. That's what the heart is. Now, this is an extensive subject. I mean, there's over 800 verses in the Bible on the heart. I mean, 800. Some people say there's 872. Some people say there's 900. When I looked it up and, and looked at every verse, I counted 872. So I'm not sure who's right. It's a heart issue. <laughs> I mean, you, you get Bible commentaries out and one person says this, another person says this. and So you have to guard your heart when you're, when you're studying the Bible because you're not sure, sure who's right. Is, is your heart your soul? Is your heart your spirit? Well, where is it? Where is it? What are we talking about? Now, the modern culture says the heart is the emotions. I love my girlfriend. I love my wife. I love Alabama. I love Auburn. I love cake. I love ice cream. I love everything. I mean, we, we just throw it around. It's our affections, our feelings. That's true. But let me give you a bit broader perspective. The heart includes your moral compass, your spiritual convictions, your feelings, your emotions, your relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I put this down in my notes. The, the heart is deep inside you. It's where you, where you live. It's your very essence. It's your very being. It's, it's your passions, your, your opinions, your thoughts. Everything about you flows through your heart. Now, I think women have a better grasp of the heart than men do. Because many... Oh, okay, good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Very good. Because men, we, we live out of our heads a lot of times. And when we get down to the heart and, you know, that you come home from work, gentlemen, and, and the wife says, well, how was the day? And you say, well, it was good. That's it. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Huh? No, it was good. And then you go about your business. Where, where the young lady in your life or the, the woman in your life will say, yes, I, I went down to the market and I saw Ginger and we started talking about uh, her life and then we went down to here and we did this and this and this and this and then I had to get this fixed and I had to get that fixed and she begins to just pour out her heart and you're sitting there going, go back to the beginning because I'm, I'm right there. Because we don't, we don't think like that. So the heart can be deceptive. The heart can be deceptive because it tells us some wrong things. That's why we have to guard it. And I'll get into that in a minute. The heart feels. The heart intuits. The heart understands. We are cautious and aware of trusting our own heart at times. The Bible says, it's not in your notes or up on the screen, but I wrote this down, whoever trusts in his heart or mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. We're told in numerous scriptures to follow after the commands of the Lord and we're not to follow after our own hearts. 
1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? At the heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. If you go back to Proverbs 4, 1, what I thought was interesting in this, I'd never seen this before. There's an interesting beginning in the chapter. It says, Hear, O sons of father's instruction, and be attentive that you might gain insight. What's the father saying to the son? What's really important in life? If I brought it back to the tw- up to the 21st century, you'd be talking to your son if you're a father. Say, son, is it important how much money you make? How about what kind of cars do you drive? Son, how big is your house? How big the corporate ladder you want to climb? Son, no, the most important thing in your life is this. Above all else, guard your heart for out of its flows the wellspring of life. The very issues of life flow from the heart, son. And I've seen this verse enacted in people that I've associated with for the last 30 or 35 years. People that I've known that have lived this verse in the right way have actually had blessing and favor in their life. But people who don't live this verse have actually had lives that have been destroyed and they don't pay attention to what God is saying. Now, I want to do three things today. I want to ask you three pointed questions, very simple questions that I heard Wayne Grudem ask a lecture to his students that I thought I would take from, from him and just do them very quickly for you this morning on the heart. They're a what, why, and a how question. What does it mean to keep your heart? Number two, why do you need to keep your heart? Y'all can write these down. And how do you successfully keep your heart? And those three, those three questions, if you answer them, you can do what this Scripture tells you to do. See, I, I like to think of Scripture as a practical way to live a life. So as Arthur Burke says on Monday morning, what does it mean on Monday morning to keep your heart? What does it mean on Monday morning? Why do you keep your heart? And how do you successfully keep your heart? Let's look at this phrase. First of all, what does it mean to keep your heart? Well, literally the Hebrew text says more than everything else. That's the way I, I could uh, translate it at the, at the words that I looked up. More than all else, more than everything else, more than everything else, more than everything else that you guard, guard your heart. Now, let me illustrate it this way. <laughs> in all your guarding, in all your protecting, in all your watching over, Guard your heart more than anything else. That's what it means. Now, how many of you all this morning locked your car in the parking lot? Why did you do that? Habit? Why is that? Because your purse is in it. You want to guard your car. That's why you locked your car. How many of you all locked your house when you left this morning? Good. You guard your house. How about your children? Do you guard your children? You let them run the street? I don't. I don't. I don't know. We had a we had a boy this week at EDP walk right out of the school and start walking down the street, six years of age, and walked home. And we didn't guard him very well, even though we have a police officer there and thirty-one cameras. We guard the school, but yet a boy walked out. Why? Because he has a free will, doesn't he? He wasn't guarding his heart. He just, 
I'm going home. Walk right out of the building. I used to. Well, I'm not going to. Well, I will. I, I used to sleepwalk a lot, so I know what that's like. I used to walk around the neighborhood, and my mom would have to bring me back home, and I was asleep. That's scary for a parent. Your son's walking down the street. That's a true story, isn't it? Yeah. One morning I came back. I was like nine years old, and I was in my mother's sewing room laying on top of her, all of her sewing equipment. And I go, what am I doing in here? Parents, my mother freaked out. Literally. Parents, you guard your children. And those of you who are grandparents, we, we understand this. You've got to guard your grandkids too. Right? So we re- protect them. You guard your job. You guard your health. You guard everything. How are you doing guarding your heart? That's the question. What, what does this really look like? Well, it looks like this practically. It means, in addition to some other good things in your life that you guard, God says, above all else, guard your heart. You might have to give up some of these things. Now, I'm not saying you'd give up watching your kids. or I'm saying you need to give up and give attention, maybe, to some of these other things that you guard to not neglect caring for your heart. That's what it means. There's something else to this word keep that I want to mention to you. Watch over your heart. What's involved in keeping? is you keep what you see valuable. Your heart's very valuable. You know, if you're a, any coin collectors in here, anybody keep money in a safe? You got Okay, good for you, sir. You, you guard that money, don't you? Of course, if, if, if you have a safe in your house and you get robbed, they'll take the safe and your money with you. So you can guard it. You, you see, what my point is, you guard it because it has a sense of goodness and value. That's why the heart, when it's born again by the blood of Jesus, becomes a good heart. Now, wait a minute, Rob. The Bible says, you want to put this one up on the screen in Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is more deceitful than anything else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know, John Eldridge writes about the heart. I've read most of his books, and he talks about the fact that we have a new heart. And we do. But this passage, if you really look at it in the Hebrew, that word deceitful could be translated showing footprints. In other words, our heart... This is my my paraphrase of that. and I'm I'm open that this this might be a wrong interpretation, but I see it as if your heart has been stepped on then it's going to become deceitful. The more it's stepped on, the more deceitful it becomes. And it says it's desperately sick. That means it's incurable. There's no cure for the heart, for the human heart, except the cross of Jesus Christ. It's like someone would... This is a gross illustration, but if you took your heart out of your chest and, and put it on the floor and you walked on it and smashed it into the ground, that's what he's talking about there. You know, some of you have, have maybe not studied this, but I, I've studied this this week about cellular memories and wounds in the very cells of your body that, that's happened to you, wounds. It just affects your whole personhood. That's why we've got to read the New Testament, folks. The New Testament has some positive things to say about the heart. 
Yes, it's deceitful, but we have a new heart, Ezekiel 36, 26, because we're born again. It says, I will give you a new heart. I'll give you a new and right desires and put a new spirit within you. I'll take out of your stony hearts of sin and give you a new heart of love. That's some good news. And at the end of this message, I'm going to declare that over this congregation. But let's look at some scriptures quickly from the New Testament. I'm going to run through these really quick about the new heart, Romans 5, 5, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured where? Out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God that although you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And the last one in 1 John 3, 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence before God. Now, before we say that our heart is good, we need to understand it. Yes, it is good, but it still needs to needs to be protected because if you jump over to the book of James which will eat your lunch yes you're with me James 3.14 yes your heart is good but James says if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition where? in your heart do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth and then in James 4 8b Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, double-mindedness is wavering, uncertain, and doubting, divided in interest. Your mind is distracted. So you have to continually guard your heart. That's what it means. So we see that our hearts are cleansed, but you and I have to guard them from bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, malice, envy, slander, gossip, And Jesus took all that on the cross so that we now live out of our new heart which has been born again. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard of John Flavel? You have, really. He was a Puritan writer. And he wrote a hundred-page book which I didn't have time to read this week, but I did take a quote out of it about the heart, about what it means to keep our hearts, and I quote it, and it's beautiful. He says, Our hearts are like musical instruments. You tune it, and you've got it just right. You can relate to this, my brother. You play that guitar. You tune it just right, and then you hang it on the wall for a few days, and it goes out of tune. Or you tune it, and then something bumps it, and it's out of tune again. And he said our hearts are like that. They can be right with God, and then something, something disrupts them, and we neglect them, and we begin to stray. I saw that happen in my own heart the last three or four years. In 2010, the church that I was working with, the funds dried up and I was told that I would be only working two days a week and I would lose all my medical benefits. Well, my family didn't appreciate that too much. I I told the pastor that I couldn't live on two days a week that this was the 21st, and he understood that. 
and he apologized and I had to go out and decide, I decided to go work in the marketplace. Well, after I left there, my heart went a, went a direction that I didn't know it was going to go. I had been in this church with these people since the 80s. And the elders who let me go were people that I either led to Christ or brought them in. And I was pretty much one of their spiritual mentors. And they just shut me out cut me out and I my heart just went crazy I mean I went into doubt I went into self-pity my hips ached my my whole body ached I I'd get on the treadmill at home I was unemployed and I'd get on the treadmill at home and I just all those men's words I can't even say it now because I'm healed their their names came into my mind and I just you don't, want to, you don't want to hear what I said. But my heart was going astray. Why? Because I wasn't guarding my heart. My devotional time became nil. I, I said, I wouldn't go back to the church again if you paid me. I mean, I was, I'd, I'd been going to church since I was born. So that was 50-something years. And the first Sunday that I woke up and didn't have to go, whoo, Glory! That was something else, wasn't it, honey? I didn't know what to do. So I didn't go to church for nearly three years. Well, two, actually. I guess it was two years. That's what I'm talking about. You've got to guard your heart. I was irritable, hard to live with. Well, I'm getting to the point now where my heart's getting back to a place of health because I have guarded it because out of it flow the deepest core of our being. So that's... The first truth I want to share, what does it mean to guard your heart? The second is, why should you keep your heart? Why do you need to keep your heart? Well, this is it, very simple. Out of it flow the springs of life. That's the answer. Out of it flows all the issues of life. Your, your, your heart's the very source of your attitudes and actions. So that's why you've got to guard it. From the heart of the outflowings or outgoings is the literal Hebrew. From the heart of the springs of life, the issues of life, the boundaries of life, everything that you do flows out of your heart. The word picture that I came up with is your heart is like a stream of water that's continually flowing out to touch and impact people for the gospel. Over in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 38, it's up on the screen. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as Scripture said, from his innermost being. That can be translated heart will flow rivers of living water. We're impacting other people. And in Luke 6.45, it says this, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. And out of abundance of the heart, the mouth... Do you all believe that verse? What's in your heart comes where? comes out of your mouth. That means you've got to guard it. Today when you leave here, someone's going to cut you off in traffic. You, you may even get a speeding ticket. And you'll ha- have the opportunity in your life to see what's flowing out of your mouth to impact other people. Because of out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another part, uh, another place where Jesus, Jesus said that had this in mind, he said, Mark 7, 21 through 23, for from within, where, where is it? 
within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. I don't know if Jesus said it like that, but wanted to see if y'all are still with me. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality. Have you ever been just sitting down somewhere and a thought just pops in your mind and say, where in the world did that come from? Well, it came from you. Because that old heart rose up. Now, it could come from the, the enemy, but most of the time we blame the enemy on us, our own desires. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, evil things, proceed from within and defile the man. Do you ever feel like the Apostle Paul in Romans when he talked about the things that I don't want to do, I do anyway? You know what, what I'm saying? Do you ever feel like Paul that says, I desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out? For I don't do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Those of you who know me, know me that know that I'm a very passionate and intense person. <laughs> and you're talking about why it's important to, important to guard your heart. I remember a time when one of my son's soccer games in Gardendale. Y'all like Gardendale? You live in Gardendale, don't you? Well, I, I didn't like Gardendale that night. I was at this soccer game, and I was watching this boy who had a neuro something disease. I can't even pronounce it. Had a brain dysfunction, and he was walking around acting crazy, and I'm trying to watch the game, and the ball went out of bounds. It's, it's funny when I tell this story. The ball went right out of bounds, and Another parent from Gardendale was sitting down there, and he said, It's out! It's out! I said, No, it's not out. Keep playing. He said, No, it's out! It's out! And I kept saying, No, no, it's not out. You want to make something of it? Here's a 50-year-old man saying this to another man that's probably 45 or so. I literally walked over to this man and got in his face. <laughs> the heart is deceitful who can understand it I didn't keep my heart with all diligence ladies and gentlemen that day so I got in his face and I won't tell you what we said but Gardendale is still here <laughs> so I encountered that situation there is a good ending to the story because I went back to my friend, who I had known, our sons had been playing ball since they were small. Hey, that's, that rhymes, doesn't it? And he said, he was a Christian, he said, Rob, do you think you handled that situation the way you needed to? You see what he said, he was my friend. He didn't say, Rob, you just handled that wrong, man. You, he asked me a question. He said, do you think you handled that situation the way you needed to? And I said, what do you mean? And then I thought, Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. No, I didn't handle that too good. So I, the Holy Spirit touched my heart, and I said, No, I need to go back and apologize to that guy. Well, I went back up and apologized to the guy. And I said, Man, I'm a Christian, and I represent Jesus Christ. And that, that conversation that we just had, it really wasn't too good. And he said, You know, I'm a Christian too. 
<laughs> I, I'm from Gardendale, and I go to Nelson's church. No, he didn't. And he said, I want to take you to my truck. Okay. So we go to this man's truck, and I'm standing there, and he's standing over here, and he said, I want to give you a gift. Found out the man worked for Channel 3340. Brought out a ceramic TV. It says Channel 3340. Here's a gift because you humbled yourself and told me that you were sorry, and I appreciate it. You never know. That's why you need to guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Many of you are here today. You have responsibilities in this church, either teaching children or teaching the Bible, teaching small groups. You, your theology may be perfect. Your doctrine may be good. But if you're communicating self-righteousness and pride, it's not good. It's like a virus. It flows out and touches other people. If you've got anger in your spirit, it's going to come out in what you say. If you've got bitterness in your heart, it's going to flow out in what you do to people. If you've got fear, we sang about it, it'll flow right out. But if you have love for Jesus, faith in Him, He'll bring you back to the center because He's the King and He guards our heart with us. We don't do it alone. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We don't want our hearts to grow cold because if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you'll see that God sees the heart as important. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this, Just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. And in 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless to Him. That's true this morning, isn't it? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout eagles' wings. Fellowship to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. So the second reason in keeping our heart is that it's important to God. And finally, how do you keep your heart? How do you keep your heart? Well, you keep your heart by examining it. That's the easiest way. That's the third way and the final way. You know something of what's in your heart. It's easy to examine it. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to keep it. What do you see in your heart this morning, ladies and gentlemen? When you examine your heart, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in my heart, Lord? What's troubling my heart? Lord, will you make it right? Lord, will you make it right? Don't pollute your heart in reading some books that you don't need to be reading or staying too long and lingering at movies that maybe not appropriate for you or internet sites that you don't need to be looking at. Don't go there. Keep your heart with all diligence. How about this one? Have any of you argued or pushed for something in the flesh that you really wanted? No? Yes? You know, our whole culture is based on arguing, isn't it? If you turn on the TV, everybody's arguing. If you turn on Fox News, it's a whole arguing. You know, people argue all the time. People complain all the time. You know, people complain to a custodian the whole time I'm there. Clean this. Clean that. Clean my patio. 
Clean Guard your heart, for it's a wellspring of life. You want to prove you're right to someone else? You have your right theology? You Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. I don't think I've got that up there. That, that's a good one. Let me say it again. It's in, in the book of Proverbs. Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. You know, if you're talking to a person at a football game and they're for another team, you know, my whole school is for Auburn. And I have a... Yeah, yeah, Auburn. And I have a son that goes to Alabama, and I wear Alabama T-shirts, but I never argue with the Auburn fans. Now, they argue argue with me. I'm sorry. And And I'm not saying that... I'm trying to use this as an illustration. I try to understand. It's very hard for me to understand their logic. But I do because I'm guarding my heart and they don't understand my logic. We find no delight in understanding what others are saying. You know, I I clean this one room where there's a five-year-old and an eight-year-old that's there every day because the... The father is a lawyer, I think, and the mother is a practical nurse, and they can't pick up their child in the evenings. I don't know why, but they don't. And so they keep the child in the room. And Five-year-old and eight-year-old. Well, yesterday, this week, the five-year-old looked at the eight-year-old and said something like, I had a terrible day. And the little boy looked at him and says, I don't care. Shut up. The heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? Boy didn't want to hear it. Beloved, sometimes it's a good idea to say nothing. Thank you. Amen. You probably want me to sit down. That's good. Slander. I shouldn't have said that. You ever said, I shouldn't have said that. Honey, I was wrong. You ever said something and said, where did that come from? Well, it came from your heart. This past Wednesday, I did an experiment in my small group. I, I sat quietly the whole time and said nothing and let the 24-year-old co-leader lead. And he's, he's leading anyway, but I, I said to myself, I'm just going to sit back and say nothing the whole time and see if I can do it. A miracle of God occurred, ladies and gentlemen. And I found in my heart that there was something in there that said, I have to say something because I have to feel important. I'm the leader. I have to say something because I have to be accepted by these young men. I'm their mentor and I'm old and they're young and I've got to say something. After it was over, I remembered the verse in Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. The message says this, Even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise as long as they keep their mouths shut. They're smart. I'm learning this at home. I'm the verbal expressive at home. My wife is not the verbal expressive. And so I'm learning how to not speak and let her speak 
and I say nothing and smile because the peace of God is abiding in my home and it bides in my heart and mine in Christ Jesus and your heart will relax in His presence and you'll enjoy Him and enjoy others around you and you'll recognize it, rejoice in it. Say, Lord, what's in my heart? You know, when someone's acting crazy at the school, this boy's kicking a wall and the teachers are going wild and the place is, I'm just standing there. Mm-hmm. Not saying a word. I, I, if if y'all have known me 20, no way. I'd have been right in there. This, this kid this week... They wanted me to grab him and, and restrain him and everything, but the policeman restrained him, and I just sat there. He'll be all right. Let's just pray for him. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an old-fashioned discipline in the Christian life called reading the Bible and praying, meeting the needs of others, talking to people about Jesus, giving and fellowshipping that will help guard your heart. That's, that's, how do you do it? You just do the Christian disciplines and keep doing them over and over and over and over again. You know, I started reading the Bible when I was a young man in my teens, and I've tried to do the one-year Bible plan for the last 35 or 40 years. And when you keep doing that and doing that and doing that, eventually something's going to work. Because <laughs> the Word of God is powerful, alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword able to pierce both of them, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, It'll change you. Now, before I close this talk, I want to jump up to Ezekiel 36, if you'll put that up on the screen. Ezekiel 36, I skipped Matthew 11. But I want to say this over you, and I want you to say this with me. Let's say it together. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The way that you deal with your heart and, and what I want you to respond to this morning is, is to do this. Invite the Holy Spirit to show you what's in your heart. That's the first thing. Show you what's in your heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Every morning when I get up, that, those two verses are right in front of me and I say those verses and I ask the Lord to show me what's in my heart all day long. Search me, O God and know my heart. So that's what I want to ask you to do in responding to this message. Secondly, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to ask you to change your heart. Change your heart. Not only to show you your heart, but change your heart. In Psalm 51, say that with me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with me. You see, your spirit is steadfast because it's being renewed day and night by the very Spirit of God. Even when you sleep, the Holy Spirit is igniting with your spirit to give you the ability to walk out your Christian life. For it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's not I, but Christ. Well, Christ in you, the hope of glory, can work through your heart and change your heart. Are there any psychiatrists or psychologists or therapists in the room? Okay. If there were, I'd, I'd let you know that you and I cannot change our heart. If you sit and talk to a therapist for four years and there isn't a heart change, then something's not happening. Why? Because God has to change a human heart. God has to do it. Show you what's in your heart. Change my heart, O oh God. And finally, invite the Holy Spirit to fill your heart. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill your heart. And it's up on the screen. Read that with me. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Amen? That's pretty practical. You can do that every day. You can say, God, today... Change my heart. God today, show me what's in my heart. God today, fill my heart with the precious Holy Spirit. Amen? Has this been encouraging to you? Well, go out and live it this week. God bless you. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.